and a festive hey yo to you and yours this holiday season. If you celebrate such things, totally cool if you don't, then totally cool if you do. I am here now to tell you a story. I know some of you heard the recent audio transmissions on the feed here, and the point of those was to put a bow on this podcast project. It had a few different names over the years, O'Culture, Detox, Libra, Ohio, uh, which I consider the three acts of what was quite a personal story that I was sharing through those interviews and conversations. But like any good story, it must come to an end. And I did say in the written words that were posted with the last transmission that there would be no podcasts for me anymore. Which is true. And what you are hearing right now is not a podcast episode, not an interview, not a conversation. This is a plea for help. A cry for help, if you will. Because I am embarking on the next chapter of my journey here, of my own personal story in this body, in this life. And quite frankly, I could use your help. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are, I want to share with you something deeply personal to me and something that I think can provide people with hope and healing as we continue to move forward after the clusterfuck of the last couple of years. And also, like any good story, we are going to start in media res, or in the middle of things. And for those of you into the whole brevity thing, I'm going to make this as brief as possible. Which actually takes me right back to 2020. I had just wrapped up the old culture portion of this podcast project, and I suddenly had a lot of time on my hands. And how I spent most of that time was dealing with emotional, psychological, and spiritual trauma. And that word trauma is something I think is overused, but I don't have a better word for it. Frankly, I'm not sure if there is a better word for it, but I found myself in a situation where I had to face myself and face something about myself that I had suppressed and repressed for damn near 20 years of my life. And I won't bore you with all the details of it, but I will say that this trauma was intimately linked to sex, which means it was also linked to my artistic and creative energy, because, as I hope we all know by now, the sexual impulse is the creative impulse, and the creative impulse is the sexual impulse. Needless to say, once I was able to recognize what I was dealing with and integrate it into my experience here, I was able to remove a tremendous, well, I, I guess I was going to call it a weight, but it was more like a blockage. It was an energetic block, which, as I've come to learn, is something that's common, all too common, and it's the same energetic block that I think most of us have dealt with or are dealing with in our lives. For me, it manifested as a blockage that, quite frankly, cut me off from my own creative source. Which was important to me, because for the longest time, I've wanted to be a creative writer. I went to college and majored in creative writing, for what that's worth. So it's been an interest of mine for a, a long time now. But I could never sit down and finish anything I started. I could never commit to a, a long-form piece of writing. And I spent the last 15 years just kind of going through the motions, both in regards to that and... I guess just the life in general. But then 2020 happened, and I think we all experienced whatever that was in our own unique way. I also think a lot of folks experienced the exact same thing that I'm going to describe to you. I did a lot of inner work. A lot of it was shared on these airwaves here throughout the years. And because of that inner work, and because of the inner work that I've continued to do, thankfully that creative blockage has been removed. Because I sat down in 2020, and I wrote not one, but two complete screenplays from start to finish. And in 2021, I got accepted into a screenwriting course at the Sundance Institute. That was a great experience, which led to my third completed screenplay. But the reason I'm recording this right now is to tell you about the fourth screenplay I finished earlier this year, because it is the project I am most focused on bringing to life. And it's a project that I hope you can help me bring to life, because I think it's right up your alley. 
The screenplay is titled Ether, God, and Devil, and it is a biopic, a biographical picture for those who don't speak the slang. But it's a biopic about the one and only Dr. Wilhelm Reich. It's 142 pages long, which means that it'll run about two and a half hours on the screen. And it covers the entirety of Reich's life and work, including his psychoanalytical work in Vienna under the tutelage of Sigmund Freud, uh, his falling out with Freud, his work in sexual politics in Berlin, his work in biology and cancer research in Norway, and of course his work in orgone energy and cloud busting here in America. Beyond that, beyond that, it is also a story about how the trauma of our childhood sets our entire life story into motion, for better or worse. I actually did some of my own armchair psychoanalysis on Reich as a character and used my findings and interpretations to craft a better and different story about his life and why he's known in some circles, or at least in my writer's group, as the Einstein of the orgasm. I found a lot of resonance in Reich's work when I first stumbled across it, but I also found a lot of resonance in his personal story as a man and in particular as a young man because Reich endured some things that affected him at core levels and in core areas that I was also affected in. In fact, when a friend and colleague of mine first read the script, and he's intimately familiar with Reich's work and personal life, he said, I wrote something that could be healing to a lot of people. And I think he was picking up on the interpersonal dynamics that are represented in the story, because those are the dynamics that were most important to me when I sat down and wrote the story. Now, Reich's work is fascinating, of course, but more fascinating to me is why he was interested in the ideas he was interested in to begin with. And to find the answers to that, you have to go to the man himself. You have to go to his life experience, his family experience, his relationships, and so on. I was also able to get some feedback on the script from a different colleague of mine, uh, and a friend now, I suppose, who's worked in story development and script analysis in the film industry for 40-plus years. And I want to share a quick comment that he wrote about the script in an email to a prospective producer that we sent this off to. He said, quote, Ryan wrote a moving, profound, altogether stunning screenplay about the life of Wilhelm Reich. Quite simply, it's one of the best scripts of its kind that I've ever read, and it suggests a major motion picture on the artistic and commercial scale of Gandhi and Malcolm X. End quote. Now, I don't share that to be braggadocious or to inflate my own ego. I quite frankly don't care. I share that with you so that you know that not only is this a serious endeavor for me, but that I can do this, and I can do this at a high level. I am a storyteller at heart, which I hope came through in the podcast episodes you've heard from me. Uh, and this endeavor, Ether, God, and Devil, the script, uh, is a story that I think needs to be told in the medium of film. Quite frankly, you can hear many interviews on many different podcasts about Reich and his work. You can find a documentary about Reich that was produced relatively recently, which was not bad. You can find a rather experimental feature film from the 1970s about his work, also not bad. You can also find a feature film that was produced, I think, in Austria a few years ago, which was okay. All of these things tell different parts of the Reich story. What you won't find is a complete version of the story, whether it's professional or personal. Well, until now, because it exists in screenplay form on my computer. And it's time, at least I think it is, to reintroduce Wilhelm Reich and his work and his life, his brilliance and his flaws to the mass consciousness. Because I think it could make a tremendous impact on people, on our culture, on our society, for whatever that's worth or just on you as an individual. To that point about the mass consciousness, you know, one of the friends I made in the Sundance screenwriting course, who's now a part of my writer's group that we meet with about once a month, I workshopped the script with the group, and he read the script, he mentioned it to his dad, who was in his 60s, and his dad told him that Reich's work would change everything if it was more widely known. And prior to this, my friend had no idea who Reich was. 
But his dad surely knew who he was, and this led to quite an interesting conversation between father and son, facilitated by a reading of the script. Now imagine the conversations that could and would take place after viewing the film itself. How powerful would that be? I also want to share that I have been in contact with the estate of Wilhelm Reich, or I guess I should say the Wilhelm Reich Infant Trust, which is a nonprofit based in Maine that's dedicated to preserving and promoting Reich's work. They love the script as well and are supporting me in this endeavor. Again, for whatever that's worth, I think it's worth quite a lot actually to have that kind of support from them. <laughs> now, I realize talking about a script is one thing, talking about a film is one thing, but this is an audio medium, so all I can do is really talk about it. So with that in mind, what I'm going to do right here, right now, is to read you the first seven pages of Ether, God, and Devil. I'm doing this because you all have been very supportive of me over the years, and I want to continue to share my work with you. I want to share my writing with you. But I also want your help in getting this film made. And so if you like what you hear, or you like the general idea of what I've already described to you about the project, and you want to help out in some way, financially, energetically, Maybe you know someone who's into Reich who can help. Please reach out to me. My email is in the show notes, ryanpeverly at protonmail.com. And I should make it known that while this project is my primary focus, I have a slew of other ideas that I'm working on and would love to eventually start my own production company, not just to develop my own ideas, but to help give voice and shape and form to the ideas of others, to ideas that you yourself may have. I think of it as a, a crowdfunded, crowdsourced, production company. You want a movie about John D? Let's do it. You want a movie based on an idea that you've had since you were six years old? Let's do it. I'm talking about communal creativity and communal storytelling. It doesn't have to be just movies either. It could be in podcast form, could be in book form, could be an NFT if you're into that sort of thing. My point is, this is not just about me. It's about the community. It's about helping people through storytelling. It's about taking back our stories, actually, and telling better ones. So with that in mind, here are the first Seven pages of a screenplay that I wrote about Wilhelm Reich's life titled Ether, God, and Devil. Austria-Hungary, 1910. Interior, dining room at the Reich family farmhouse, night. Young Wilhelm Reich, 12, and young Robert Reich, 9, sit at the kitchen table inside their parents' large farmhouse, a science book and glasses of milk in front of them. The boy's tutor, Marco, 25, strapping young man with a military-style buzz cut, sits across from them. Cecile, 32, Reich's mother, dark hair, small waist, and wide hips, puts dishes away in an adjoining kitchen in the background. Marco, Robert, quick, what's your favorite element? Young Robert, um, iron. Marco, iron, excellent choice, why iron? Young Robert, because you can make tools from it. Marco, just remember to strike it while it's hot. Willie, what about you, what's your favorite? Young Wilhelm doesn't answer right away. He thinks about the question silently, his jaw resting on his small fist. After a couple beats, he says, sulfur. Marco, sulfur, interesting choice. Why sulfur? Young Wilhelm, because it's important for all living organisms. Marco, excellent point, and careful you don't smell it. Marco pinches his nose and the boys laugh. Marco, I bet you'll never guess what my favorite element is. Young Robert, helium. No, but I do like sucking it out of balloons. Young Wilhelm, calcium. No, but I do like milk. I'll tell you what it is. Marco leans into the table, playing up the reveal, then almost whispers. Fire. Young Wilhelm, fire's not an element. Marco, oh yes it is. Do you remember when we learned about ancient Greece? They had a simpler view of the elements. They only had four. Earth, air, fire, and water. Cecile walks over to the table, drags her hand rather intimately across Marco's shoulder. Marco, and you know something else? 
He leans in closer as if what he's about to say is a secret no one else knows. Marco, they also had a fifth element. Do you know what it was called? Young Wilhelm's eyes get big, but before Marco can say anything else, his mother interrupts. Okay, that's enough science for the evening. Let's get you boys ready for bed. You'll be in big trouble if you're still awake when your father gets home. Young Wilhelm, Mom, but we want to know more. Cecile, you'll learn all about it tomorrow. Let's go. Off to bed. The boys reluctantly push themselves away from the table, the legs of their chairs screeching unhappily against the floor. Interior, Young Wilhelm's bedroom at the Wright family farmhouse. Night. Cecile tucks Young Wilhelm into bed. Young Robert lies in his bed across the room, already asleep. Cecile, did you enjoy your studies today? Young Wilhelm, very much. Cecile, Marco is a great tutor, isn't he? Young Wilhelm, he knows a lot about science. Cecile smiles. I'm glad you enjoy him. She kisses her son goodnight. Good night, my prince. Good night, mother. Cecile leaves the room, closing the door softly behind her. Young Wilhelm lies in his bed for a couple beats, then slowly slips out of it. He walks toward the door, checks briefly on his sleeping brother along the way, then quietly opens the door and slips into the hallway. Interior, hallway, night. Young Wilhelm creeps down the hallway until he gets to a door, left slightly ajar, a thin strip of light bleeding out into the hall. He peeks through the door and sees Cecile and Marco kissing and undressing each other. He continues to watch them until they crawl into bed. And then he keeps watching. Voice over. Danbury Prison Guard. Reich, time for your eval. Danbury Federal Prison, March 1957. Interior, inmate cell. Day. Dr. Wilhelm Reich, 60. Thick gray hair, plump frame, face ruddy and weathered. Garbed in inmate attire. Lies on a cot, eyes wide open. He blinks a couple times, the haunting nostalgia of his memory fading quickly as his nightmare-like reality comes back into focus. The Danbury prison guard, male, 30s, unlocks the cell door and slides it open. Interior, hallway at Danbury Federal Prison, day. The guard leads Reich down a corridor. They arrive at an office door. The guard opens it. Reich walks in, then pokes his head back out. My cigarettes, would you... The guard raises a hand, cutting Reich off. Sure, sure. The doctor will be just a moment. Interior. Psychiatric office at Danbury Federal Prison. Day. Reich sits in a chair, smoking a cigarette. A door swings open behind him and he cranes his neck. Dr. Richard Hubbard, 32, brown, curly, coiffed hair, a boyish face, obviously less worn than Reich's, confidently strides into the room, briefcase in one hand, coffee mug in another. He says, Dr. Reich, Dr. Richard Hubbard, call me Rich, how are you feeling? Hubbard flops his briefcase on a table between he and Reich and takes a seat opposite him. Reich, surly, says, wonderful as you might expect. Hubbard nods toward Reich's left hand as he unclasps his briefcase and pulls out a legal pad and pen. Hubbard, they're not treating your psoriasis? Reich contemptuously exhales a plume of smoke. Reich, the only treatment for my condition is orgone energy. I assume you've read my work and already know this. Hubbard begins scribbling in his notebook. Yes, orgone. You uh, describe that as a life force energy, right? Reich, it is not a life force energy. It is the life force energy. Orgonomy is a science of God, and I'm creating the sacrament. Hubbard doesn't even bat an eye at such a provocative statement, just continues to write his notes and says, And you claim there's also such thing as deadly organ. Reich, D-O-R, deadly organ radiation. Hubbard, would D-O-R be the science of the devil then? Reich, the science of the devil is in your pen, I'm afraid. Hubbard shoots a curious glance at his pen, then nods at Reich's cigarette. He says, does your cigarette contain this deadly organ? Reich exhales another plume of smoke. Clever, why are we discussing this? Hubbard, just developing rapport. Surely a man of your psychoanalytical prowess knows you need a few warm-up questions when you're evaluating the condition of one's psyche. Reich, 
You call this developing rapport? <laughs> he chuckles to himself. Let me help you better understand my condition. And he leans forward and says, rather intensely, There's been a conspiracy to suppress my work and make my life difficult to live for some time now. The Soviets and the Rockefellers have pursued me from the canals of Vienna, to the mountains of Scandinavia, to the streets of New York City, to the confines of this very facility. He taps his index finger on the table three times in cadence with those last three words. Hubbard stops writing and looks up from his notepad and says, You think people here are conspiring against you? Reich, how else does one find himself in a prison if people aren't conspiring to keep him there? Hubbard says nothing, just nods slightly in acknowledgement. Reich, I rest my case. Hubbard, another explanation is you're here because of your own doing. You violated a federal injunction and were found guilty of contempt of court. That's the reality. Reich narrows his gaze and says, The reality according to who? The fascists who sign you a paycheck. Hubbard, do you think we live in a fascist country? Reich, my books have been burned by both the Nazis and the United States government. What would you say? Hubbard, I would say America is a democracy, with checks and balances and laws. Reich, FDA regulations are not laws, but I wouldn't expect you to know that at your age. Hubbard leans back in intense curiosity on his face and says, Are you bothered by boundaries? Reich, what bothers me is that the Inquisition never ended, and you're just another in a long line of mechanistic inquisitors. Hubbard, Dr. Reich, this is not an... Reich pounces his fist on the table, cutting him off. What is this if it's not an inquisition? What is this if it's not an attempt to snuff out and hang the witches of today? Reich and Hubbard lock eyes, Reich more intense as the moment constricts and then expands. Hubbard, do you see the irony in one psychoanalyst calling another mechanistic? Reich scoffs, <laughs> crosses his arm defensively, and says, I'm rather insulted you consider yourself a psychoanalyst. And that was the first seven pages of Ether, God, and Devil, Again, if you like what you heard, you want to help out in some way, or you know somebody who might be interested in helping out, whether it's monetarily or just, you know, connecting me to, to people who may be interested in helping me get this going, email me, ryanpeverly at protonmail.com. Uh, if all you can do is throw a few bucks at the Patreon or the Substack for the podcast here, that also helps. Uh, I put all that money, of course, towards my own living expenses, first and foremost, but anything else I can take in from this is going to be put towards the film, the filmmaking the production company, and just these these new endeavors. So I do appreciate you taking time to listen to this. I hope you and yours have a wonderful holiday season. Again, if you're celebrating, if you're not, well, enjoy your days. And of course, remember to love yourself, think for yourself, and reclaim authority.